podcast where we discuss the competitive side of the game. I'm Charles, and with me today are Richard, Ian, and Alexander. Today we will be doing a faction review of Thorin's company from The Hobbit. And in our open topic, we will be discussing all hero armies, their strengths, their weaknesses, and strategies associated with armies that do not have warriors. Okay, so on to our army review for this week, which is Thorin's company. Do we sit back while others claim what is rightfully ours? Or do we seize this chance to take back Erebor? Thorin's company is an all-hero army found in Armies of the Hobbit. And it contains 13 dwarves and Gandalf the Grey and Bilbo Baggins. So in this list, you have two heroes of legend. Thorin Oakenshield and Gandalf the Grey. You have two heroes of Valors. You have Dwalin and Balin. And I believe the rest of them are heroes of Fortitude. The army bonus for Thorin's company is I would take each and every one of these dwarves over an army from the Iron Hills for when I called upon them, they answered. Models within three inches of Thorin Oakenshield can reroll ones to wound in combat. There's a second army bonus that was later on added through an FAQ which allows all members of Thorne's company to call Heroic March. Do you guys have any general thoughts on the army bonuses? They seem pretty minor at first glance, but what are your thoughts? The rerolling ones is nice, I guess, but the bubble is so small. So I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. I mean, I guess they're all going to be clustered together anyway, because they're all on infantry. I'm not sure. I like the Heroic March one, though. I think that's really good, because then it gives you a lot of versatility with, like, whoever has a might point can call it. You know, it's it's nice. They're a bit more mobile for dwarves with that. I don't know. Overall, I like Thorin's company, though, for the most part. They have a lot of really interesting and cool profiles in there, and some nice fighty guys. So, Regarding the army bonus, um, I think the, the Rada one, where everyone can call Heroic March, is pretty vital. I think without it, they'd be just really, really tough to win games because they are dwarves with the move five. And most of the dwarves in this list are pretty fighty. They're not really focused on shooting. So most of the time you're trying to close the distance. So if you're going to win any games at all, it's through combat. Yeah, I think it's pretty key in this list. I was going to just say, obviously, I think I'm on board with the idea that all the heroes having heroic march is incredibly vital. I think of this army a lot like the Fellowship, just in the way that you know, it's fun to play, but it obviously has major drawbacks in it has a lot of different tools. It's very combat-oriented. I do quite like the army. When we first thought about it, I wasn't huge on it, but I like, I think, what it's able to do. I think the, uh, the original army bonus, I almost wish there was... Um treat Thorin as a banner. I think they need any sort of reroll they can get to win as many fights as they can. As we'll discuss later in the open topic, armies are purely heroes. They really don't want to lose the fight. And uh, the reroll ones is nice, but it's not great. So yeah, I agree the Heroic March one is the better one. All the members, including Bilbo, can be mounted. Other than Gandalf, the rest of them can take a pony for five points, which is a great deal because it increases the Heroic March buff from three inches to five inches because it gives them all the cavalry keyword so with the march it actually allows them all to move 13 inches instead of eight when you're marching on foot and for five points uh, i think that's a big difference just a quick note on the ponies i would say once you get to where you want to go 
you should dismount because at that point you're just paying for a bigger base size because <laughs> ponies don't actually give you any charge bonuses or anything. Yeah, and you have to test when you charge, which is not ideal for combat. But I do agree with your point about the uh, the banner. Like some kind of banner effect on this army would be really really helpful because there are a lot of two attack models in the list, and that's two attacks is good, but it's always better when you can get like two attacks with a reroll because then you're just so much more likely to win the fight once you get up to those three dice, especially when they have decent to higher fight, you know, four fight four fight five. Yeah, so breaking down the members, it seems these are Thorn's company when they're traveling to Erebor, so most of them are in light armor. I think Thorn is an exception where he has defense 7 uh, and then 8 with the shield. A lot of them are defense 5 and uh, 5 or 6, so these dwarves, they're definitely not the ones you're used to from like Khazad-dûm or like Iron Hills. So they can go down quick if you're really swamped in combat. The way I like at it is there are the fighty combat dwarves and then there are the utility dwarves. So Thorin is by far your most solid character here. He's only one with three fate and as I said earlier, the highest defense. He's just overall a good leader, uh, good in combat, and uh, the best overall here. You have Keeley and Feely. Keeley is probably your archer, your long range support. He has the three plus to hit and uh, dwarfo. Feely has throwing weapons. Even probably loves that. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, they have so a good. niche special rule where they can swap places, combat synergy. I've seen people mention this sort of as like a meme. I don't know if it's actually useful in combat. If you guys have any um, shenanigans that you can think of with a special rule, definitely share. I okay. If I was gonna come up with like the most useless special rule I could think of, this is probably it. I I must admit I haven't really tried to use it that much. I think when these guys first launched and I got the Escape from Goblin Town set, I was just messing around playing through some of the scenarios by myself and just trying to use this special rule to any effect. It's just it just didn't help. The the best thing I could think of is if because they both have strike, so if one of them's out of might. Then you could swap the other one in who has might so he could strike up for a fight. But I don't know. It's so tough because they have to be in base contact. Maybe if it was like three inches or something. Yeah. 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 And it does say at the start of any phase. So maybe you could swap for a better angle for shooting or something in the beginning of shoot phase. I don't know. It's very niche. Oh, never thought about that. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's actually at any phase. So yeah. 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 As for, like, their function in the list, they kind of are your standard fighters. Like, they bring the Fight 5 to the table, which is decent compared to some of the other ones. But, like, they're kind of just above the non-fighters in the list, honestly. Or, like, the weak fighters. They're very middle of the pack. But they do bring Strike to the table, which is very useful. Okay, uh, next we have Balin. He seems like he's, like, a support sort of role. Um, he has Resolve, so he kind of can help with the magic resistance. He has Longbeard as with the other Balin profiles, where he can spend will to reroll priority. Not very strong in combat, but he does have those abilities. The other thing you can point out is that he has a sword mace. So we were talking last episode about special strikes. There's actually quite a few different types of special strikes that you can do with Thorn's company. I actually think they have all of them in the list. They have a staff and they have uh, a flail in there and a spear. They just have a variety of weapons, which is nice. I just want to say something about Balin. I know in previous episode where we talk about heroic actions, we kind of crap all over heroic resolve. But I think this is one of the heroes that you probably would consider um, using heroic resolve because Balin probably most of the time wouldn't be in combat. So you wouldn't really mind him not moving that turn. And just to uh, 
save the will off like a Thorin or a Dwalin, you know like the enemy caster is going to go at it, go at one of your big beefy heroes, then yeah, it's it's a decent option. Yeah, that's a good point. You probably want to keep them out of combat anyway. I think most people know Dwalin is a pretty tanky assassin. His two might is pretty average in this list. Actually, not a lot of the dwarves have three might. But he has the Burly, he has the Fearless, and he's just uh, probably the hardest-hitting dwarf in the company. And then you have Biffer. He's the one with a spear. He can also strike, but he's only fight four. And he can throw stones. Hey, it's another uh, it's another range support. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm just looking through it again, and I know you said they don't have a lot of shooting, but like if they come up against an army that has no shooting, they can definitely pull them in. They, they can put out like four or five shots a turn as the enemy closes range, so you know. It's doable. It's not going to be great, but it's something. No, Ian, this isn't a shooting army. I can make anything a shooting army. Ian, take a tally of all their shooting attacks and announce it at the end. Will do. Biffer has a special rule called Embedded Axe Blade, which from the movies, he has a piece of axe in his forehead. And when he wins a fight, he can choose to just make one strike with his axe blade. And if it deals a wound, then the axe is freed from his head. And then for the rest of the game, he can call free heroic moves each turn. I've actually tried this at uh, at Nova one year, and for the entire tournament, it never happened once. But I've heard other people have success with it, so I'm, I still have mixed feelings with this rule. I'm a little uh, upset that that we're bringing back those memories, Charles, because <laughs> this is this is in our doubles games at Nova. I think. I don't know what happened. I think he just never got the chance to wound, if I remember correctly. He just like. Whatever he did, he rolled like a two. Yeah, he had like three combats out of three games. Like, I don't know. Should have put him in a better part of the board. I don't know. I also just briefly want to say he does have a two-handed axe too. His spear can be used as two-handed axe, so he can put out some extra damage. Yeah. Next we have Bofer. He has a pretty standard profile. You know, the two attack, two wounds, uh, fight four. He has a Matic, which works exactly the same as Iron Hill Matic. So a two-handed weapon that can bash or pierce. He also has Resolve, so I guess it's Balin and Bofer that are the magic resistance uh, specialists in Thorne's company. His Steadfast rule also adds to that, which allows him to roll a d6 on a 2+, the effects of the magical power or special rule is ignored, and you can bite it as well. So this is a good way of like resisting any sort of special rule that might affect more than one model. He's Nature's like, Wrath. Yeah, so if he's like in the range of a nature's wrath, then he can yeah. resist it on a two plus. Or if you're like, ooh, if you're against like a shade, he can ignore it so he can fight better. Or like, uh, which ring wraith is it that forces you to spend extra might? Dwemer Lake. Dwemer Lake or like Grima. If you if your company's in range of them, he can use his special rule and then he'll only spend like one point of might to call a heroic move or something mm. like that. Mm-hmm. There are some spells where it either happens or it doesn't, and you can only have one model resist, right? So like like you said, Nature's Wrath or like Tremor, then you can pick him to resist. Okay, next you have Bomber, the dwarf. He's only defense four, but he has three wounds, so he's like kind of tanky. Well, he does have heroic defense, so that helps. He has three special rules. He has Beefy, which allows him to use a bash special strike, even though he doesn't have a bashing weapon. He has Lumbering, which he has to re-roll results of a 6 when he jumps and climbs, and he cannot call heroic moves. Oh, oh, okay. Nice. And then his last rule is Raising Spirits. At any point during his move phase, any friendly model that's in contact with Bomber can choose one, roll a d6. On a 4+, plus, they regain a point of will. 
I forgot he has a freaking rule named Beefy. <laughs> That's so silly. Um, uh, uh, anyway, uh, on, on the Raising Spirits thing, I didn't realize it was any friendly model. I thought it was just Thorin's company, guys. So that's actually, that's handy. Okay, that's interesting. And also, yeah. I would say he is like the tank of the company, honestly, with three wounds and then heroic defense and two might. Like, you could just send him into any big hero or big monster and say, okay, deal with this guy for, like, two turns while Thorn and Glowin and everybody kills the rest of the army. So it's, it's interesting. interesting. I know what you're thinking, Ian. Pair him up with Alfred, and if you just have, like, a, a dollar store Aragorn. Infinite <laughs> night forever. That's been, like, the meme since way back. Like five years ago, when he first came out with Alfred, everybody was like, "Ah, oh, let's throw in twenty point Alfred and forty five point Bomber and just have infinite might forever." I don't think it worked that well, but sounds good. Doesn't work. The next member is Ori. I think he might be the lowest costing one at forty points. So this is the guy with the slingshot. I think he's the only model in the game that has a slingshot, and uh, he brings heroic accuracy to the list. So his dead eye rule is if he rolls a six when rolling to hit. You don't roll it for in the ways and automatically cause a single wound. And then he also has Chronicler. Anytime a Thorns Company member slays a hero or monster within three inches of Ori, they regain a point of might, will, or fate of your choice that was spent earlier. Seems like he has a lot of uh, utility for 40 points. He's essentially got Blood and Glory just on the profile, which I guess in a list like this, especially if you're playing it pure, is really useful just because you put him near literally any member of the company that's fighting a hero or a monster and you get a chance at a free point of might back, which is really useful. I mean, I know this list as a whole is like using might as candy, but still getting to regain it is always useful. I don't care if you have 30 might in your list. Getting one back is always useful. I have wanted to make him work so bad since I first read this profile, and I think I've given it like one or two shots, and then I just gave up on it. But just the auto wounds, man. Ooh, I want to... One in six. And uh, for slingshots, if you don't move, you can actually shoot twice. Yeah, so he could, like... It's only a 12-inch range, but if he's standing still, he gets two shots, so... In theory, he should get, like, three to four shots before combat gets in, right? If they're just running at him and he backs up a turn, right? And, I mean, it's not a natural six, too. So True. I, I feel like you can might this. So Yeah, I think you can. Yeah. So that's a really sneaky way to just potentially get a leader wound, like, right off the bat to get VPs. He does only have one might, but, I mean, if you just save it, like Richard's saying, like, it's one die roll on a five, you might that up to a six. That's a wound. That's really handy. And you don't have to take any in the ways. Like, it specifically says you don't. So he could have, like, four ranks in the way. You could see just his left arm, and boom, auto wound. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Everyone talks about deadly shot. Nobody talks about this. I honestly think this is kind of one of the things that I feel like where you just, like, you talk it up a whole bunch during the game. You're like, oh, he's got dead eye. I could auto wound you. I could auto wound you. Just to scare the enemy. Because <laughs> it never really happens. But the fear of it happening is huge. Also, I don't know why he has three will. So, yeah, maybe if he's just chilling behind your line, he can resist area of effect spells too. Oh, he's really fragile, though. Like, like same with Ian, he's never really worked out for me. Like, I've tried him in a few games, and he goes down so fast. Like, fight three, two wounds, one fate. Maybe on, like, a lucky turn, you can wound a hero or take out his mount or something. Oh, no, you, on a six, you wouldn't be able to choose, right? Because uh, the mount is in, in the way. 
And you can't target a mount, so it would wound the hero. I guess so. But, I mean, just, just picture this, though. You come up against a Moria army from that, that nice new legion that they have. The Balrog comes storming towards your company. And already just says, don't worry, lads. I'll get us the point. Pew! Single rock to the eye. Victory points galore. Odds aren't even that bad. Yeah. Next we have Nori. He seems to be um, kind of same as Feely and Keely. You know, fight five with a heroic strike. Um, defense five, two might. Pretty much identical stats there. Except he has the plus one to wound. So essentially he has uh, Burly. One of the better fighters, I think, of uh, Thorin's company. And not bad for 55 points. Yeah, I think he's underrated. Well, well, I don't know. You just don't see him out a lot, but he, he can do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. He also brings a two-handed bash. True. Um, and then next we have Dory, which is, I think, the cheapest three-attack hero in this list at 55 points. Uh, he brings the fight five, but he can't call a strike. He only has heroic strength. And his rule is thematic, but I don't know how useful it is. If Bilbo is within three inches of Dory, Bilbo may use Dory's might, will, or fate as if they were his own. I remember reading this special rule after watching the first Hobbit movie, and I was like, wow, I guess there's some scenes that are going to be in the extended edition, or maybe in the second movie, where we see Dory and Bilbo really bond, but that never really turned out. (laughs) They almost never talk. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I I don't know. They they share like two sentences together, and then he's just like, I love you, Bilbo, my boy. It might be one of those things that just got changed last minute when they made the Hobbit movies, which seemed to happen with a lot of other things. But why did they keep it into this edition like it's it's a weird special rule and it doesn't really fit with the fluff anymore yeah if they anything it should be most. with biffer right biffer and bilbo are bros Bofer. Bofer. yeah or something i mean maybe he i honestly think it'd be something like cool if dory had like some kind of protection rule for ori and nori because he's like the older brother right that'd be kind of cool it seemed like with this edition, they just kept most of the stuff the same. Like, Goblin King still has Blubbery Mass, which was another scene that was cut from the movie, where I think what was supposed to happen was his Blubbery Mass was supposed to swallow, like, Feely and Keely's weapons. That's why they wrote the rule. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, but they removed that scene, so... I mean, I guess he's just kind of in there, like, that special rule is still there, just to kind of tie Bilbo into the rest of the list a little bit more. Because he doesn't really synergize with anybody else, besides just, like having a nice profile with the ring yeah so i guess that's kind of helping i mean eh, yeah if you want somebody to bodyguard bilbo i guess you can send him in maybe yeah yeah next dwarf is oin and he is another utility type of member so he has the hand and half staff so he has the stun he's a one attack fight four one might four will one fate and he also has resolve he has two rules first one is healing herbs which is if you don't move and you're in base contact with a friendly model, roll d6 on a 1 to 3, there's no effect. On a 4 or 5, they regain a point on a wound. And on a 6, the model regains all their wounds. And then the other special rule is prognostication, which he can use a will point to allow a friendly model within 3 inches re-roll a dice in a dual roll. So we were talking about banner effects earlier. This is the closest thing you get to a banner effect. Yeah, I think... Oh, he's card 6 too, so he's kind of... He's brave, I guess. I I think you could actually... Like, what happens if Thorin's your leader? He gets wounded. You take the wound, and then he backs up into Owen, and then next turn, Owen heals him. Does the enemy still get a point for wounding your leader? No, you count at the end of the game. Right. True, true, true. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Handy, I guess. And then you get the banner. But it's too bad you can only use it once per fight phase. 
But it, that is handy. You can combo him with Bomber, right, to get the will points back? Yeah. Or yeah. Ori if uh, he kills something. The hero, probably not. No. I think if he gets in combat, I'd probably stun. Yeah. Yeah, if he's fighting anything other than like a, a normal warrior, you're going to stun. Yeah. And the final dwarf is Glowin. And as he's Gimli's dad, their stats are actually pretty similar. Um, they both have the throwing axes, three attack, two wounds, fight six, heroic strike. He does have a special rule allowing him to reroll ones in combat. Does that stack warrior borns? I mean, you can't reroll a reroll. So. I know. <laughs> it's too bad. It, it's a little silly to have that. Anti-synergy within the yeah. pure list. Well, I definitely think Glowin is better in the uh, the other one, the Erebor Reclaimed list. He's still good here, but he's still good. And then you have two members that are not dwarves. You have Gandalf the Grey, which we covered extensively in previous episode. And then you have Bilbo Baggins. This is arguably the best profile Bilbo because you can mount him and he can also have the ring without the corruption rule, right? Where the ring bearer can allow your opponent to control him or whatever. Yeah. So there's no negative effects for um, him carrying the ring in this version of Bilbo. He also has all of the heroic actions that we like, right? He's got strike, defense, and then with the army bonus, he has march. And, just for fun, he has Resolve, too. <laughs> a lot of magic okay. resistance in this list, actually. Because there's a lot of heroes that, that have Resolve that you don't mind just sitting back and using their Might for Resolve if you need to. Yeah. So, Ian, what's the range firepower tally? Okay, so we have one bow on Keeley. We have throwing daggers on Feely and Glowin. So, two throwing daggers. We have two throw stones. One on Bilbo. One on, uh, what's his name, Biffer. And we have a slingshot on Ori with one to two shots. So... If everybody's firing at their best, that's seven shots a turn. <laughs> With a maximum of 18 inches, right? Uh, yes. And you have blinding light. That's more shots than my entire mortar army gets. There you go. You have blinding light, and then Gandalf can start blasting, you know? <laughs> and then you can kite backwards with heroic march on Heck ponies. yeah. Richard, you're so smart. So anyways, I started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, sorry, the ponies is actually a good shout-out. I'm just going to go back to Ori for a second, because I don't remember where it was. This must have been a couple years ago, but I remember seeing somebody mounting up Ori on the pony, and then he would just sit there, like, 10 inches away from the enemy line, on the flank, just shooting at spear supports, trying to kill them on sixes. And if they come after him, he just runs away, because he moves faster than them, because he moves eight. <laughs> that's that's a great that one. That was a while ago, but... <laughs> Why play the Riders of Rohan when you can play Thorin's company? Exactly! I am so happy you're finally turning around on this. So, overall thoughts on this faction and also your faction rating. I guess we could do the faction rating similar to the profile rating, where like 9 and 10 is like top tier, and then between 6 and 8 is above average, 5 is an average faction, and then 4 and lower is below average faction, competitively. I mean, I think looking at all the synergies... It's super fun, and it's great how they all work together really well. But I think at the end of the day, it's a really, really tough army to play because you got low model count, their defense isn't very high, and then if you don't get the ponies, like they have movement issues. So I think this is mostly a thematic and more of a fun list to play rather than competitive. And I'm sure in a certain tournament with the right scenarios, you can do well, but you wouldn't be able to compete fully in all the scenarios. So I think I think I would give it a four because of the synergies. I think it's at the top end of a not as competitive list, but I definitely think it can still win a lot of games. I'm going to echo that. It's, you know, it's a bit of a meme list. I'd probably go with like a five. You'll win a couple games. 
You'll have a lot of fun playing it, though, I think, unless you come up against some kind of ultra-mega spam list. But I think most of the time you'll have fun with it. I think I would rank the Fellowship higher than it in terms of competitiveness. Definitely the new Legendary Legion, Breaking in the Fellowship, yeah. is definitely better. Yeah. And just to add on to Ian's point, I would say, well, we're going to talk about All Hero more later, but I think even the Champions of Erebor version of these guys are much better if you wanted to take them. I mean, that's a bit of a separate discussion, I think. I guess it kind of comes down to because you, you get Bilbo and Gandalf in this list. Yeah, I think Erebor Reclaim, it's, it's a hard comparison because that one has warriors, right? they can all lead but i do agree they're better profiles i think the synergies in this list they're they're harder to to use compared to some other all hero lists like great company for example these ones it just seems like you have to know the profiles really well and it's less forgiving because a lot of these dwarves are squishy so you can win games but it's not an easy list to play you have to like know the army really well and you have to be a good player for like beginners uh, of the game this is not very forgiving to play so I don't know. I think I agree with the rating of a 4. 4 out of 10 for a competitive level. It's got a lot of fun little synergies. They've definitely got a handful of really good heroes, useful profiles. I think it's a list with a good handful of heroes to ally into other armies, but if you're playing it pure, it's going to struggle in a lot of different situations, as all hero lists do, just because of the low model count, the low mobility. I think I'm going to also give it a 4. Okay. All right, so we're going to move on to some army lists. So let's start with the peer list, which Richard prepared to today. A peer thorns company at 500 and 1,000 points. Okay, so for my 500-point list, I, I think we mentioned earlier about just getting the ponies for a lot of mobility, so I kind of went with that line of thought for this one. So I have Thorin as my leader with Orchrist, the Oaken Shield, and a pony, and then I have Dwalin on pony, Dory on Pony, Feely on Pony, Keely on Pony, Ori on Pony, and Bilbo on Pony. So I guess the idea for this is I took most of the heroes that are able to strike up, I think with the exception of um, Ori and Dory, but Dory has three attacks. And I think, yeah, it's basically just rush them with the march and then get in their face and then you have Thorn and Dwalin to be the main hitters, and then Bilbo to uh, jump on their uh, high fight value leader if necessary, and just kind of harass them and attack at a certain point in their line with your higher mobility. Because like Charles said, with the march, you can move up to 13 inches. So yeah, that's kind of the idea. But depending on the scenario, you kind of just want to run circles around your enemy and then hit them where uh, they're a bit weaker. So what do you guys think? It's actually funny because I think at 500 points, this would be, it would have some of the same feasibilities as the uh, Rangers of Gondor or Rangers of Athelion Legendary Legion, where at low points, it's going to be harder to handle having that many heroes at 500 points is something that I think a lot of armies would have a harder time coping with. Of course, you have a low model count, so it's going to be easier to break it. And I've always been a little bit skeptical of ponies just because you don't get charge bonuses. But when you're talking about five-inch move dwarves, putting that up to eight inches is, is pretty useful. They're naturally pretty hard-hitting profiles, so you don't really need the charge bonus. 
you know, I find it kind of amusing, the idea of like, you're like, oh, it's just some dwarves on ponies. And then all of a sudden they're right up in your face and you can't deal with it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty fun list to worry about what might happen if you come up against like a, a horde army where they're really swamping some of the heroes. I know you're a big fan of bat swarms, so obviously getting to put Bilbo on a pony and then rush him in, dismount him, and put the ring on can be useful at times. Though with the low model count, I wonder how much that's really going to come into play. I think in the end, I'm going to give it a high fortitude. It's it's tough for me to really critique that. Maybe a little bit unfair. It's just, I guess that is one of the drawbacks. Naturally, it has to be mentioned. It's not something that you can really mitigate, though. Yeah, you know what? I got to give it a low of valor then. Because we said bring a pure list, so I can't really use that as any reason to dock you marks. So yeah, yeah, probably probably low valor. Obviously, is still a little bit worried about it. You can you can dock me marks because I think in the past I've docked you marks for taking a certain legion or army. <laughs> so I deserve it. Even though we said take a take an army of Gothmog legion. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You know what? This is fair. This is my payback. Make it a minor. Make it a minor. <laughs> it's not that. No, I'm no. Can't do that. That's too far. There's playful ribbing, and then there's this uh, high fortitude. Okay, I'm trying to see um, what kind of synergies you can have here. Well, we all know how good whirling is. So combat thing you took Dory and whirling, <clears throat> whirling. Yeah, this has got to be like instant legend. <laughs> Just because he has whirl. Got whirl. Well, he has especially the... on a model that you never want to use it on. <laughs> The one that has three attacks. So I think having four heroic strikes is pretty good. I think uh, I like the four heroic strikes. I think Bilbo being in there is really good with the heroic strikes. I can't think of very much at 500 points I can stop this. Like your standard 500 points. Having Ori in there at low points is actually really scary because a lot of armies at 500 points will have one main threat. It could be really scary. Let's say like a Numenor list with a Lindil. Like who else is Ori going to shoot at the first three turns of the game? And I think that's that's a really good pick at low points uh, to have them in there. Having a ring bear at a 500 points is also really, you don't see that a ton. I think that's pretty scary. The issue is seven models. I don't know. He has to do enough damage before he loses four models. And that might be the main challenge. But I think Alex covered a lot of the other drawbacks of this one, so I won't go too much into it. I like the combat ability, the three heroes with three attacks. I think this is a high fortitude, too. I think it can win a lot of, like, brawling scenarios, and with ponies, you won't do that bad in capturing your objectives, but it just it feels a little bit fragile, like it'll break easily. Yeah, even in, like, a fighting scenario, though, you're going to have to use those choke points, right? Unless you stay on the ponies and, like, a whole bunch of guys charge into you, but that's the situation you want to avoid because Thorndwallen and Dory, they're, they're all like good fighters. They have enough high enough fight value and attacks that they can handle themselves. But it's it's Philly and Killy, I think, is where you're going to come into trouble because Ori, yeah, he's just going to tag off warriors whenever he can, stay at the back, try and make sure people don't get surrounded. He'll probably die early once he's done. Like, that'll just happen. But it, it's kind of Philly and Killy is where the game's going to swing because they do only have the two attacks. So if two warriors get into each of them with two supporting guys, four dice on the two, and if the enemy wins, they're probably winning them on fives, they can go down in a turn. They're kind of like really key pieces in this, right? You have to make sure that they don't get in over their heads, which they can do very easily. That being said, at 500, like I agree, this is a big threat. Thorn and Dwalin, that's a lot of hitting power that you have to be concerned about. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, those two you might actually want to keep on the ponies, just for the bigger base size, 
so they can get into more models, so they can kill more stuff. Because they don't mind fighting more guys. I do like the Orcrist on Thorin. I think it's important. Yeah, if you need to duel a hero... Though the ponies still cancel enemy cav bonuses, right? Because they are cav they, Yeah, they still have the cav keyword. Okay. You know, maybe you won't dismount these guys. It depends. Like, Ori, you're going to keep back. Mm. It'll be very case-by-case situation. You might want to dismount them, you might not. I think you can definitely win fighting scenarios at lower points like this, but it'll be difficult. Like, you'll have to be very calculated with what you do. You have to go after the enemy heroes, kill the enemy leader quickly, shut down the enemy heroes, and then let your three attack guys go in and kill a whole bunch of troops. But I think I would stick with uh, Fortitude like you guys. Yeah, yeah. The points are low enough where it being all hero and low models is okay because they have the ponies so they can move around. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Fortitude. Yeah, interesting. So that's three fortitudes? Yeah. Yep. Yes, sir. Okay, let's go on to Richard's other list, which is uh, 1,000 points Thorns come. Okay, so nice and easy. So I take everyone in Thorns company. So the only war gear that I buy is the Oaken Shield on Thorin, Gandalf with the horse, and then Bilbo with the pony. So I think strategy-wise... I feel like it really depends on the matchup and the scenario that you play. So there's 15 models here. Uh, the big thing is I have 29 might. So that's just a ridiculous number. Um, but yeah, you have a bit of magic in there. You have Bilbo with his uh, ring shenanigans. I think out of the two, Thorin and Gandalf, I would put Gandalf as my leader. Personally, I like having wizards as the leader because they're kind of safe in the back casting. I wouldn't fight too much with Gandalf. He also has the re-rollable fate. So even though Thorin is defense 8, I think Gandalf is probably the better leader here. Yeah, so I think it all comes down to how well you play the synergies between these dwarves, kind of like how we talked about earlier. But yeah, what are your thoughts, guys? Well, you have all the synergies that we talked about. I guess instead of like dropping one dwarf and taking more war gear, I'm assuming you just took all of them just for the maximum numbers, right? Because it's a thousand points and you want like every model you can get. A thousand points is tough though, because the higher the points, the more variety of threats you're going to face. So I actually don't know how this one would do. I think you will have the magical support. You will have the blinding light, which helps you a lot because a thousand points, you're going to face powerful shooting, maybe even like siege weapons and just stuff that can take you out early game. And blinding light really helps. It's really hard to see how this one would do. I think it's it's really dependent on scenarios. Maelstrom, they deploy together, right? Yeah, I think I think they all deploy as one warband. Maelstrom is the one I think they would just destroy because you just deploy with your 29 might easily. Uh, wherever you want and then it's like instant kill uh, enemy warband yeah uh, this army is really good in maelstrom and the killing ones it it do decent too because it has a lot of hitting power for its points the ones it might do worse are like objective ones some of them you might struggle because you're gonna have to pair off your dwarves or you're gonna have to pair off some of the weaker ones i don't think it's that bad mostly because you have like all the utility you have like the one ring and you have magic in there I do still think, as I said earlier when we were reviewing this army, it's it's going to be a high-skill cat army. Not going to be easy to play. So I'm going to go um, Fortitude. Agree with everything that you just said, Fortitude. So not your fault, Richard. It's just the way it is what it is, right? I've, I've heard that before. 
<laughs> so at a thousand points, like there's two ways you can run the company. You can run the full company with all fifteen of them and only have a couple things of war gear, or you can drop like one of the really cheap guys and get like ponies for everybody, get Thor and all of his like the Orcrist and stuff. And it's not gonna make a huge difference, but you can. I I, I don't know how big of a difference that would make in your games. <sighs> Might be better because your numbers, your breakpoints the same, but I think like you guys said, at a thousand points. You're going to go up against armies that are just going to have too many models, and they're going to have too many models that fight four and fight five. And you guys just, you have too many two attack models, one attack models are just going to go down. It's just, it is what the list is. So I have two separate ratings. My first rating is if you're trying to use this competitively, it's, it's a minor hero. Like you just, if you come up against a lot of people who know what they're doing really well, even if you know what you're doing, and they have decently well-written lists, you're just not going to win a lot of games. So, yeah, I'm going to keep it as a minor hero for that. But if you're just going to take this to have some fun, mess around, have some, like, enjoyable games, have, like, really enjoy and just really enjoyable, like, moments and stuff, have good games with your opponents, have some a lot of fun, then I'd say it's a fortitude. Well, this rating system was for competitive ratings, but but, yeah, that's a nice way to explain it. The next list we'll cover is our first alliance list, my list, it's Thorns Company and Army of Lake Town Alliance at 600 points. This is a historical alliance from the Army of Lake Town, the Master. The Master yeah, is yeah. my leader. And in his warband are five Lake Town Guard, seven Lake Town Guard with Spear, and three Lake Town Guard with Spear and Bow. I have Alfred the Counselor with six Lake Town Guard and six Lake Town Guard with Spear and Bow. And then I have Braga with six Lake Town Guard. Two Lake Town Guard with Spear, and four Lake Town Guard with Spear and Bow. And then my last warband, I have a Lake Town Captain with three Lake Town Guard, five Lake Town Guard with Spear, three Lake Town Guard with Bow, and one Lake Town Guard with Spear and Bow. And then the ones from Thorns Company that I'm allying in, Glowin. And I also have Nori. So that comes to 600 points, 57 models, 11 Might, and 17 Bows. So this list is basically to spam out as many warriors as possible in the army of Lake Town, and then ally in two members of Thorns Company for combat utility. So I've selected Glowin because he is fairly tanky, and, and Nori gets the plus one to wound. So I think the Lake Town portion of this list lacks uh, hitting power and actually dealing wounds on heroes. So I think Nori and Glowin can fill that weakness. I've given spears to a lot of my archers so that they could support as I don't have shields. So I want supports on as many warriors as possible since I don't have the shielding option. Braga is there and he's able to call potentially free heroic moves with his synergy with the master. I also have Alfred in there to give the master more might. However, the might I'm going to give the master is probably going to be used on his ability to give the army the fight for and banner effect. So the Master is not likely to call very many heroic actions. 11 Might base is still, I think it's still solid. This list is basically just sit back and shoot against a lot of armies. And if I'm the one moving forward, I have enough models at my disposal to grab objectives and to kind of swarm the enemy. I mean, this, this is a scary list. Just because you don't see good lists at, like even at this kind of a points value with this many models. 57 is is crazy. And then you get into, like, the 11 might plus the extra stuff from 
Alfred plus the extra moves from Braga. And then 17 bows on top of it. I mean, yeah, there's strength two, they hit on fours. But there's 17 of them. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of shooting. I like it. And the throwing axe on Glowin. We mustn't forget the throwing axe. I, I, it's a little unfortunate that the master is your leader. I mean, what's... Oh, geez, what's his courage value? Pretty low, right? Four. Got it here. He's courage three. And then he has that dragon signature rule. Yeah, I mean... So if you had, like, Dwalin in there, then you could probably make Dwalin the leader. But I don't think you'd want to make Dwalin the leader. Yeah, you just want Dwalin in there killing things. Yeah. Mm. I, I, he should be okay, though. If you, if you As long as he's not affected by magic, he still has his two will. He has heroic defense, two fate, two wounds. So if he gets into combat, you should be able to bail him out before he dies, right? It's just him running away at the end of the game is a big thing. He's going to be sitting back and just calling money bags all game. Yeah, so as long as you have, like, some might and maybe some try and keep your will, some might and will left for when you break, if you break, to pass your curse test, he'll be okay. But that is your biggest risk of losing him, I think. The key thing in that is if you break. Because, like I said, 57 models, that's a lot. And it's, yeah, like, they're all defense four for the most part. But the thing is, is that 600 points, most armies you're going to face are going to have half of this, right? And then they're going to have to be contesting with Braga and the Lake Town Captain and Glowin and Nori. Now, I know Braga and Lake Town Captain, they're not great. They're only fight four, right? But they still have two attacks in strike four. So even if they kill a guy, like, every other turn, and then you also have Glowin and Nori killing a guy every turn, I think your enemy's just going to run out of numbers before you do. So I don't think you're going to break in a lot of your games, honestly. It's a really scary list. You got March on Braga and the Captain 2, so you can move. Ah, hell yeah. And the doors, because of the army bonus. Yeah, you'll sacrifice might, but you have plenty that you can spare in this list to do that. So if you want to move up a ton of your army really quickly, you can. Yeah, this is scary. (laughs) I think I'm going to go Legend, just because it ticks, like, all the boxes, right? Like, it's got the numbers heroes that can fight it's got might it's got the bows just jumping back to the thing about the numbers is because of that special rule and because it's a green list all of those lake town guards for you know probably what three like like four turns probably are going to be fight four and have a banner effect braga and the captain can be fight five true true i didn't think about that yeah so even if the enemy manages to get you into choke points, because you have all those heroes just being able to kill guys every turn, you're just going to wear through the enemy's numbers before they can kill enough of your guys. This is yeah, it's a really scary list. I'm gonna, I have to go Legend. Um, I think what Ian pretty much just said it all. Just 57 models at 600 points. That's just gross. <laughs> so that's my review right there. Disgusting. Dry heaving. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a legend. That was the fastest review I think any of us has ever done on a list. Yeah. When I first looked at it and I read over the profile for your basic warrior, I was like, oh, they're only defense four. You know, they're only fight three. Kind of squishy. But when you've got up in the 50s, like 50-something models at 600 points, and you have all of those might points, you have a couple of pretty decent combat heroes... You've got good synergy across your Lake Town heroes. You know, you can make your troops fight four and your heroes fight five. Yeah, there's no huge flash in the list. You didn't have Thorn or Dwalin. There's nothing that makes you go, oh, wow, that's a really big character or something. You're just like, oh, mathematically, this list is going to slowly eliminate my list until the game is over because that's where it's going. 
system you get in combat and between the heroes, the high numbers, and the synergy, it becomes very difficult for your opponent to win those games. And I, I yeah, legend. So I was just looking through the profiles again, and I'm just going to add, I'm not going to change my rating because I still think it is a legend, but there is one pretty big glaring weakness to this list, and that is the highest courage values you have from that Lake Town contingent is three. They are not a very courageous army. I know you have, like, the models to make up for it, but if you come up against, like, a Black Numenorian span list or a list with Kirdan in it, they're going to give a lot of, like, trouble for you, right? So I think Kirdan especially because he'll bring Blinding Light as well. So there's definitely lists that can fight this, but I think, yeah, in, in your average 600-point kind of tournament, this is this is definitely a winning list. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Ian, but just to kind of offset that a little bit, like you said, at 600 points, like, there's not a lot of crazy terror armies. I mean, you might come up against, like, Angmar, but then they're really weak against your shooting. And then you might have, like, the the Army of the Dead or the Return of the King Legion, but, um, again, they'll probably have, like, a third of your numbers. And you outfight them with the Master Ball. <laughs> That's so stupid. So. You have a lot of courage tests you can make. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like that Goblin Town theory, right? Just throw in as many guys as you can, and some will stick. Uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, if you come up against any of these armies, they're definitely still going to have to play the choke points, for sure. Yeah. And everyone is under a banner effect, so if one warrior passes, you throw a spear behind it, and you have the banner reroll, that's three dice in combat for every time you succeed in a courage test. At that point, it's really just, it comes down to how difficult it is for you to wound your enemies, because you're basically only strength three. But then you still have those four heroes who can go in and do combat, and if they need to, they can spend might on wounding, right? If you're against ghosts or iron hills, so that'll pay off, because the numbers are so low anyway. This is yeah. a scary list, man. Honestly, <laughs> like, I'd be tempted to, like, buy this and run this if I didn't already have a Lake Town list, the other Lake Town survivors. There's no way I'm doing two of those. <laughs> That's insane. Okay, the next list we'll be covering will be Ian's list, which is another 600-point list, except this time it is a convenient alliance. Okay, so, like Charles, my list is a 600-point uh, a list. So, I'll start off with my Thorns Company contingent. I have Balin, Nori, and Biffer. So, Balin is in there because, like Charles said, it's a convenient alliance, so I need to have a Hero of Valor. He fills that slot. He also brings in his really handy um, priority reroll rule, and he's cheap. So I, I feel pretty comfortable bringing him. I think he brings a lot to the table just with his special rules and stuff. I also have Nori in there. Nori is just, he's a solid little fighter. He can do the damage because he has the plus one to wound, and he's got the strike, which is handy. Biffer, the reason I kind of wanted to take this, because I really want to get his special rule to work with the free heroic moves. I think it's just really handy. He also brings a strike as well. So again, it's just handy. There's a lot of versatility in this list just because of all the strikes that are there. Okay, so the rest of my list is Haldir, and he's got all of his equipment. So he's got the Elven Cloak, the bow, and the heavy armor. He has eight Galadrium Warriors with bow, two Galadrium Knights with shield, and two Wood Elf Warriors with spear. And then the second warband, also from Lothlorien, is Rumel, and he has five Warriors with shield, and five Galadrium Warriors with spear and shield, and one Galadrium Warrior with spear, shield, and banner. So I was like, I'm not sure how exactly to make this work 100%. I must admit, this is kind of like an old list I had written down again. But I do want to try it because I, 
I like the combat ability of the list. Like, there's no big flashy heroes, but there's a lot of small heroes that can fight pretty well. Like the mid-tier kind of ones. 28 models total, I think is pretty good at 600 points. Not compared to Charles's list. <laughs> but normally 28 models at 600 is pretty good for an elite army. Yeah, so that's 15 dead to break. I have 11 might, 8 bows, plus 2 bow shots from Haldir. I think the one thing it is lacking maybe is a heroic march. But I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, honestly. Is Haldir the leader? Um, yeah, I did make Haldir the leader just because he's just more survivable than Balin. I mean, y- you can make the argument for Balin if you just sit him at the back and keep him protected. But maybe. I think that's kind of a playtesting thing. If you played it a few times, you could figure out which one you prefer if you want Haldir fighting a whole bunch. But I don't know. I like this. I think I see what you're trying to do here. And yeah, I think it's quite well-rounded. You have some tricks you know, um, but I think I would just make some minor adjustments. The way I'm thinking is that I don't really know why you would add the two Wood Elves because just the defense discrepancy, personally, I don't like that between the Warriors because it's just like two easy kills there. That was just points and I wanted something points. with spears. I wanted to have a couple guys with spears deploy with the bows and I just didn't have right. enough points to give them. For the Galadrium? Yeah. yeah. Would you consider dropping... Ballin maybe because I'm not sure how I much he adds because it's a yellow alliance I need the hero of valor to uh, have them in there so, so I guess he's I, the cheapest cheapest valor there yeah I could drop Nori and get more troops and knights because Haldir still has three spots left and so yeah I, I could fill up the warbands more or maybe drop Biffer I think Nori is a good addition for like a cheap uh pure striking hero yeah Biffer is like because I want to try the special rule and get it to work. But if it doesn't end up working out that much, and you still wanted to give this list a go, then yeah, I guess I'd drop him. Because you still have 11 might, right? Well, I guess mm-hmm. at that point you'd have 9, which isn't bad for 600. You know, you still have enough to call moves, but... Yeah, I think um, it could be deadly in certain scenarios. I, I think I would give this a solid fortitude. I don't know. Whenever I see a Lothlurian, I kind of shiver a little bit. That would be because of the four demons. years of trauma. <laughs> I'm just sorry. old demons, <laughs> uh, things I never overcame, you know. No, I think it's a pretty solid list. I think anything where you can have elven spear support helps. But then again, you, Thorin's company, you got a lot of fight five in there anyways. You don't really need the spear support for that. But it's all round. It's, I'm not quite as nitpicky about the wood elves below defense. I understand, obviously, they're the cheapest option if you have a certain number of points left. Though I did think about what would you do if you took those out did a little bit of maneuvering, get another knight in there, just for mobility and charge bonuses. But really, I think this follows a lot of the themes of all the lists this week, is which you've got some really solid dwarf heroes. I would really like to see Biffer's rule work. Even I remember your uh, doubles tournament at Nova, and I would have really liked to have seen that work. I think it can be really lethal when it does work. I think as a whole... Though it, it's going to be going to be a strong fortitude, I will say just the one thing on the Biffer that I don't think I mentioned earlier is if you get that off and you get the free heroic moves every turn, that kind of opens up your might pool a bit to spend on other things, like on just boosting your rolls to win combats and stuff, or to put wounds on enemy heroes if you need it, or just call you know those those heroic combats that might be a little risky, but if they pay off, they pay off big, because you're not as worried about like running out of might. That's where I'm at too. Just because if you can, if it does work, you don't have to be as um, stringent with how you use those might points. You don't have to think about can I strike, can I combat. 
if you can free heroic move with that one hero and move most of your army around with it, then that just opens up a lot of possibilities. I think it becomes really lethal. Also with Balin's special rule too, like this this army should be moving first for like the majority of the game. So I look at the list and I think I agree with most of the criticism so far. I don't know if I agree with your hero choices. The other two guys commented on the mobility, how we could use a little more. And the way I would put mobility in this list is actually to give your dwarves ponies. Just a personal preference, I think two knights at 600 points is a bit much. I don't think the cavalry charge is necessary. If you put all three of your dwarves on ponies, then you can always send Balin off to grab an objective since you don't want to throw him into combat anyway. And I think it would be a lot cheaper. You could convert the two knights of knights with shield and the two wood elves into maybe six Galadrim warriors, five or six. Boosts up your numbers, and I think your mobility is about the same. I don't think the Haldir needs the Elven Cloak, but that's that's a minor personal preference. That's um, just because he's the leader. Yeah, yeah, okay, makes just sense. Just extra protection. Um, I haven't seen Rumil very much in this new edition because of how he got changed, but I think he's still good. So I kind of agree with Richard. If you drop one more dwarf and added more warriors and brought your numbers to over 30, that might make the list stronger. I think where I'm sitting now, it's it's a fortitude too. I was kind of toying with that idea of like just dropping two of the dwarves and like replacing one of them with like Dwalin for like a, a bigger hero, but I don't know. And then yeah, the the cav were just in there for the mobility. I wasn't considering them for like the knockdown or stuff as much as just being able to give me something that can go for objectives. Yeah, definitely. I just I would prefer the ponies than the knights, but fair enough. Okay, uh, next we have Alex's list which is a 700-point historical alliance with Misty Mountains. Okay, so all of you should probably just take your socks off right now before I knock them off, because... Yeah, no, I got nothing. I have... (laughs) (laughs) I have Thorn Oakenshield with Orcrist, the Oakenshield, Naponi, Dwalin, Biffer, Nori, Gloin, Philly, Guahir, and a Great Eagle. I have eight models. I break at five. 16 might points. Uh, my strategy, thanks to the counsel of Richard, double monster, and my original concept, very reliable heroic strike. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for sourcing me. <laughs> so I, I guess... Yeah, the... well, I mean, this, this list is like a song. It was like, it was like Thorne's Company, 700 points, featuring Richard. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, I think the reason why I did like the double monster is just the idea where you can hurl units into each other's combats, and then essentially you would knock down everyone else in the combat, but you're a monster. So it's just a nice trick to kind of add in it. And it just kind of doubles your threat because having one eagle sometimes makes it a bit predictable of where you can attack and people can kind of wall off a certain area. But once you have two eagles, then you know, then you can pretty much cover anywhere on their battle line. I'm just thinking, how dare you take Feely but not Keely? Separating the brothers. I like the choice. I mean, they end up separated in the end, so... Well, I mean, I guess when the first one died, they were separated. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers! I kind of like Feely over Keely in this instance. I know, controversial. Just because he has the throwing axes over the bow... And in this case, the throwing axes, you're going to be fighting anyway, and there's just more shenanigans. Like, you'll use the throwing axes more, or throwing swords more than you will use the uh, the bow, I think. So he's got some p- potential for shenaniganry. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I don't hate the choice. I was just, uh, it kills me whenever you take a hero and you can't use their special rule. It's just, I'm all about that efficiency and you're just wasting points. Okay, okay, Richard, here's like a slight change maybe that Alex could do if he was up for it. He could swap Nori for Keeley and then with the extra five points, give Dwalin a pony. Mm-hmm. Yes. I still think oh, that combat synergy. Oh man, that makes up for everything. If you're, if you're that dead set on having the combat synergy, <laughs> I think overall it's a solid list, but I think it's just the nature of, you know, an all hero list. I'm going to give Alex the same medicine that he gave me and be like, your model count is low. So <laughs> I think, I, I think it's, it's going to be a maximum of fortitude, I think. But this is kind of like probably the best you can get with using Thorn's Company and the Misty Mountains. In the end, I went for Philly, and I know what you're going to say. I can't believe you took Philly without Killy because then you're losing out on the combat synergy. But we literally just talked about how the combat synergy hardly works and isn't worth it. You're paying for a special role that we know doesn't work either way. So... I don't really see the point in paying double the points for a special rule that doesn't work. I don't think they were entirely serious. Neither am I, but... Is Guahir or Thorin your leader? Is it Thorin? Uh, Thorin's my leader. Okay. I think it's cool how many heroic strikes you have in there. Um, Thank you. you That was the plan. You can fight an elf army at 700 points for a few turns at least and outfight them. I think the Thorin's company heroic march, the army bonus... It can make the eagles fly pretty far. That's kind of cool. Same as like our criticisms of this army in general. You know, just the numbers are really low. The defense of your models, a lot of them aren't very good. So biggest worry is they're going to break really quickly. And you have a lot of heroic strikes, but that's good against heroes, but not that great against warriors. With some good control, your two double monsters can do really well against the warriors. But against like high numbers, like at 700 points, you'll see armies are over 30 models easily. I think you'll really struggle. I won't give it a terrible rating because I think that you could probably win games with this one. Uh, just because of all the good heroes that you have and somewhat versatile with the two 12-inch move monsters. So I'll give it a fortitude. Uh, I wanted to go for Valor. I was going to go for Valor. And then Richard, or not Richard, Charles said the model count, 700, and I'm like, okay, you're right, because the average army at 700 points is going to have four times your model count. That's rough. Some of them will be like four, four and a half times your model count, and that's, that's rough. That's really hard to fight. <laughs> you do still have, like, a lot of mobility, weirdly. Even though you have this little chunk of dwarves on foot, because they all have march, and they can all just run around like crazy. Your breakpoint isn't that big of a deal, because it's five guys dead, so once five guys are dead, the game's over anyway. Like, you're probably not going to win, so you don't really care if you break as much, unless it's like a fight to the death, and if it's a fight to the death, you're probably going to be in a pretty good position anyway. And the double monsters are good, you get a lot of mobility from them, a lot of shenanigans. Uh, I really want to... Ah, you know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it. It's like a low Valor. Low Valor. Because there's no banner or shooting. Oh, fuck. Okay, maybe it's not. Ah, I said it. I'm going to keep it. Low Valor. There's I... one thing I forgot to say earlier. is um, I actually saw this alliance at Adepticon last year. Adepticon 2019. I think Blake Dixon brought it. And um, he just had like three or four dwarves on ponies. Maybe five. And then like three eagles. Uh, or four eagles. And... 
he didn't do that badly. He actually finished around the middle of the roster out of like close to 50 people. So I don't think it's a terrible alliance. Probably can do well, depending on the scenario. Okay, so those were our army lists for the Thorns Company army. Now let's move on to our next uh, open topic segment, which is all hero armies. Okay, so today's open topic will be all hero armies. Now, this includes armies that are inherently without warriors. So, for example, like the Fellowship, like Thorns Company that we covered today, uh, but also some armies that you might just decide to only take heroes as well. So, let's start by going through which hero armies there are that exist in this game. We have Fellowship, we have Thorns Company, we have the Black Riders Legendary Legion, we have Breaking the Fellowship Legendary Legion. We have the Grey Company Legendary Legion. We have Desolator of the North. Are there any armies that uh, you guys see that have warriors in the army, but you've seen them taken like in an all-hero form? Well, there's like, the, the Necromancer one. Oh, yeah. And White Council. And, yeah, White Council too. And, uh, oh, Erebor Reclaimed. Because, like, Erebor Reclaimed and then the Necromancer one, those are lists that have troops, but it's not uncommon to see them just run with all the heroes because they both, you can make easy a thousand point lists if you just take all the named heroes, right? I think the Riders of Theden, um, Legendary Legion, there's several ways to play it. Sometimes you see them with Riders of Rohan, sometimes with Royal Guard, but some people, I think at lower points, can go pretty much all hero. I believe, Charles, you've run like a pretty similar kind of list. Yeah, almost all hero. It was just with a few roll guard, uh, and the rest were heroes. It doesn't work as well now after the roll banner nerf, but definitely that was a list. We don't see Flying Circus anymore, the all fell beast, but that used to be really popular. Probably could see a fell beast list at lower points, though. If it was like five ish hundred, like if you had Kamul, the Witch King, and like Shellob or something like that, I still think you could see it. Because the weaknesses, they don't have strike, I think. There's a lot of other weaknesses that happen, but just the lack of strike on all of them, I think, was the bigger thing. Well, Kamul and Witch King do have strike. Yeah, that's why I meant those two specifically. Oh, like, okay. Those two would be the first ones in, I think. It'd be hard to just take Fell Beasts. Yeah, it would be hard. Yeah. But there was there was one, I think, before where it was like, if you take three ring rates on Fell Beast and Shellob, it comes out to 600, I, th- I think. Is that, still, yeah. is that still a thing? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. So... Yeah, it might work. That's like super, super high yeah. skill caps. I've also run uh, all Rangers, Rangers of the North, before uh, the Grey Company Legion was released. Yeah. So let's go over some of the main strengths of taking an all-hero list. <laughs> Do you like winning Less fights? Less space needed to pack <laughs> your army. Yeah, true. And then, yeah. <laughs> honestly, like, do you like winning fights? And take an all-hero list. You'll have a lot of fun for the first half of all your games till you run out of might. <laughs> I was going to say, do you like burning might like candy? Because, yeah, that's that's definitely one thing, just having significantly more might than your opponent. I talked to a few people, and especially for conventions, people who travel for, from far away. A couple people um, I've asked, they told me that it was just simply because it was easier to pack, quicker to paint, uh, less models in general. And... Um, which which is a it's a fair it's a fair uh, reason, but um, if if we're talking about like competitive reasons, 
I think if you want to focus on specific scenarios, an all-hero army might be better at, like, Lords of Battle or Contest of Champions. If you don't take any, like, weak heroes, then that will allow your opponent to score more points in Lords of Battle. I can see the appeal. I think fun factor is just a really big thing, too, right? Like, we all have those heroes that we love to play, and sometimes I think you just want to see what they can all do together. And, you know, who I, I'll admit, there's some deep part of me that just wants to run a list with, like, Elendil, Isildur, Gil-Galad, and Elrond, and just see what happens. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get to it, but it'd be cool. I know Joshua Wright, he used to be um, in our group, and, like, most of last year, he just brought, like, a different all-hero list to each event. And he kind of just experimented with that, like, what kind of combos work the best, and that looked like fun. Okay, so... I'm, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say on this next topic, which is the weaknesses of all hero armies. Yeah, so I think we already covered this while going through the list reviews, but probably the biggest part is just always being outnumbered. So you're always going to be low on the model count. And with kind of the meta swinging towards uh, more horde armies due to the amount of objective scenarios nowadays, it's just... It's just hard to win a five or six game tournament because you know one of those uh, mobility scenarios will come up. And yeah, if you have like 10 guys, the enemy has 30 to 40 guys, like you're fighting an uphill battle basically trying to occupy those. So I think that's probably the biggest weakness and why generally all hero armies aren't super competitive. I mean, Richard, if you want to get super into meta mind games, what if that scenario is the first one in the day, right? First game. So you take that, take the L, submarine with your all-hero list, boom, podium spot. You just got to win the next five games. Yeah, I, I mean, that's actually a pretty viable big brain strategy. <laughs> if, oh, it's big brain. If, <laughs> if, I think that actually might work if like all the scenarios were like pre-planned. And then it's like, and it's all like, the yeah, stars align. <laughs> objective scenario. And then it's like, to the death, contest of champions, lords of battle. And then you're like, okay, all heroes are. Yeah, I mean, just as I literally just said, being able to burn might like candy, as we talk about not having enough troops to compete at higher points with these really big armies, it falls in this idea that you can have all the might that you want, but when you don't have the resources to actually make the most of it, it becomes really challenging. You can have 15 might, but if you can only use a heroic move to move six guys, you're not making the most out of that point of might, if that makes any sense. Yeah, the other thing is um, the higher points you go, I think the weaker your list will be against shooting, even if you have a blinding light in your list, because you don't have warriors to stand in the way of your heroes. And even with blinding light, if your enemy gets a six, and it's likely they will if they have like a dozen archers, then your hero is always at risk every single shoe phase, every single turn of losing a wound or even being shot off the board. The higher points you go, as a lot of people already know, siege weapons are more popular in this edition. And without any warriors in your army, you don't have any targets to scatter to when you're hit by a siege engine. So it's every single one of your models is valuable. And the siege weapon shot will always hit a hero. I find that to be like a huge weakness that you just can't mitigate in any way. That's why you must have Tom Bombadil in every all-hero list. <laughs> yeah, good point. 
Because the rock would just disappear when you scatter on him. It's, I still remember when that happened at one of our tournaments where he brought uh, Tom Bombadil and just scattered every siege engine shot to Tom Bombadil so it disappeared before it hit him. I loved it, but it was game-breaking. Damn four <laughs> shields. Um, all power to the forward shields. Um, I, I think the biggest issue with all hero lists, just now that we're talking about it, is kind of going into most scenarios, you're starting at a lost game, right? Like the enemy is just going to have VPs over you, more or less, right? Because they'll have like the banner or they'll have enough numbers to get onto the objective. So they'll just hold more objectives by the end of the game than you most of the time, right? So in a lot of scenarios, you're just coming in and you're already fighting. As soon as the game starts, you're at a deficit in VPs, right? And that's a hard place to come back from. So you can, like we said, you know, sk skill cap and stuff. But at tournaments, especially where, where they're timed, right, you need a lot of time to think these moves over because every single move matters. Every single placement, who they charge, what they charge, where they're going, needs to be really precise. And it's so hard to get that done when you have, like, a clock ticking by. We'll say a counterpoint to what I just said now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Because you only have so few models, you have a lot more time to maneuver each of them. But I don't know if that really makes up for it personally. I'm a slow player, though. So, One more minor weakness is that, with a few exceptions, most all-hero lists essentially don't have standfast. So, in particular, if you have like evil all-hero lists, once you break, your heroes are running. A lot of the orc or Urkai heroes are Courage 4, Courage 3, Courage 2 even. So it's not very reliable, especially um, when you break. So let's discuss some synergies in all hero lists. All hero lists generally have a lot more might. We all know that you can make some cool synergies and cool combinations the more might that you have. What kind of competitive or strong synergies can you guys think of, apart from Thorn's Company, since we talked about that today already? Any other all hero lists? Literally any kind of Lords of the West list with Kirdan. You get a whole bunch of combat-focused three-might heroes and then enchanted blades. That is going to be a lot of heroic combats re-rolling failed wound rolls. That does a lot of damage. I was just going to say, is Kirdan in White Council? Because if he isn't, then you if you're running an all-hero list, it's pretty much all Rivendell, right? Yeah, so, like, it's true that's a good synergy, Alex, but I think you would have trouble taking, like, one or two Lord of the West and then Kirdan, and then Kirdan can't ride a horse, so then you're kind yeah. of stuck six-inch move. Rivendell does green ally with White Council, though. But, like you said, White Council is all on foot, so I, I think it's better to ally some of them into Rivendell. I think the Legendary Legions, are all hero, all have really cool synergies. Black Riders... We reviewed it in the Quest of the Ring Bearer episode, but that's a cool, like, magic nine-caster list that can pull off some really deadly assassinations. Breaking of the Fellowship, the synergies in that one covers a lot of the, the weaknesses of an all-hero list. They get Blinding Light, and they all get the banner effect, so effectively they're all within range of a banner if they're fighting close together. So, like, really good synergies that make the all-hero list more competitive. I think any all-hero list that allows you to deploy as one warband is a huge buff, as Richard said earlier in Maelstrom scenarios. So a great company in that way is really good, how they can all deploy together. 
And the banner of Arwen Evenstar being in that list is huge because all your rangers are two attacks and they need to stay alive, right? And with that six-inch banner, it helps the list against a battle line that you'll face in most armies. So that was actually the next thing I wanted to point out that works really well. If you can, getting some kind of banner effect into an all-hero list I think is key. The same thing with like mounting them, like you need that if you can get it. So honestly, on that subject, if you're just making some kind of combo list with a whole bunch of like heroes, if you could toss in Halberad with that banner on a horse, I don't think that's actually a bad idea because he's only 110 points, I think, all said with that, or maybe 120. And then you get a six inch banner and then fearless on your heroes, which could actually be really handy because you might end up, if you're facing a lot of enemy spellcasters, them just targeting down one of your big combat heroes with Drain Courage just to stop them from being able to charge stuff, right? Yeah, I, I think you definitely always take the banner of the Even Star there. It's ridiculously good. But speaking of synergies, I think we might have mentioned it briefly earlier, but the Necromancer and then the Dolgoldor Ringwraiths, I think that's another one where they kind of have an extra bonus built in. What is it? Usually they revive on a 3+, plus, and then with the Necromancer, they revive on a 2+. plus. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And um, they can might that, too. That's with the yeah. army bonus. Yeah. So uh, No, no, that's just in the Necromancer's profile. Oh. oh. Yeah, yeah. The army bonus is that the Necromancer gets a free point of will every time he casts a spell. So, like, like an extra die, I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was part of the army bonus, too, uh, when I was reading about it a little while ago. But no, it is actually just in the Necromancer's profile. Yeah. Master of the Nazgul. Yeah, it's in his profile. So anytime you have a Necromancer in the race, they get uh, pluses. Yeah, I agree with Richard. I think you want to try to like look for the synergies. Six-inch banner, like Ian said, is really good. For evil side, I'd probably take Suladan as your cheap six-inch banner if you want to do an evil hero. But then you want to pay attention because you don't want to break the army bonus if the army bonus is helpful to you. So like Dogolder, for example, you probably don't want to break the army bonus. I guess for Airborne Reclaimed is another one where you probably don't want to break the army bonus because Thorin would give all your Thorin's Company heroes in the army banner effect that uh, extends to six inches. So there's your six inch banner effect, right? And uh, I know we didn't talk much about the Fellowship. I think the Fellowship without the Legion, so before the Breaking the Fellowship Legion came out, it was harder to play because you had the four Hobbits in there. You kind of want to take Frodo in there because he's the part of the army bonus, right? You're never broken and you're fearless as long as Frodo's alive. And he gives you the one ring. But on the other hand, he's really fragile. So I can see why the Fellowship is harder to play because you kind of want to take those hobbits in there. At least Frodo and Sam, maybe not Merry and Pippin. But yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on the Fellowship list? With a recent FAQ, they added in Arwen, so now you actually have Smeagol, Arwen, and Build-A-Pony in addition to the Nine. I didn't realize they had Arwen. I think I forgot that. I like that list, honestly. Like, we talked about it earlier, but... I believe when we reviewed the new Quest of the Ringbearer, a Barley Man is a historical ally as well. So I think so, he, yeah. He's an option that you can add into the Fellowship. I think uh, the Gatekeeper as well, right? Mm-hmm. I believe oh, so. Oh, yeah, Harry, yeah. Yeah. So I think um, out of the two, I think because the Fellowship has like more units available and also they have like magic support and stuff like that, I think like you could probably just go higher points. But I think in the smaller points where you can fit the full breaking in the Fellowship, I think that's probably the route you should take competitively because of just all the special rules that you get. I think it's just inherently better than what you can take in the Fellowship at a lower points. 
Yeah, and then like you kind of said, or one of you guys said earlier, in the breaking list, the hobbits are not that as much of a liability. They're, they're a lot more survivable just in terms of being able to fight and do stuff than they are in the normal one. Like in the normal one, they don't get any of the banner effects. They don't get any rerolls to wound or anything. So it's not like they're, they're not even competent warriors. They just they just die. One thing I don't think we've covered yet is monster mash. So I've actually seen this at more than one tournament, two or three tournaments actually, where someone just took all Moria monster heroes. So it's usually a thousand points that I've seen it at. And it's like a Watcher, a Balrog, a Dragon, and like two Cave Drakes. <laughs> it looks like a ton of fun, but it doesn't look very good to even for an all-hero list standard. I feel like you're going to either make someone really happy, depending on the scenario, or just ruin someone's tournament. <laughs> I, Yeah, yeah. That's one of the ones where you're going to have a lot of fun no matter what, but you're definitely going to annoy your opponents in a few of your games, at least a couple of your games. You just have such like big bodies that are all low courage, so once you break, you know you've lost. But they're just all so hard to kill. Each of them will take an effort to bring down yeah, when when I played a list like this, I had uh, Gil-Galad and some, some knights and stuff and a whole bunch of warriors charge into a drake, and I was like, okay, I'm going to one-shot this guy. It's going to be awesome. And it took me like four turns to kill it. <laughs> they just don't go down. They just don't go down as fast as you think they are going to. It's Yeah, it's really annoying, really frustrating. But, you know, I, like I said, I think you'll have fun. Your opponents, maybe not. One more list we haven't talked about. The trolls on that aspect. The Monster Mash. That's exactly 400 point list. You get three named trolls. I've never tried it. I haven't seen people try it in years, but I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, a cap set, like for very small tournaments only, and or you ally them into Goblin Town or something like that. I think the new addition with them not all having Heroic Strike anymore is a pretty big hit. Their might is kind of low. You have like five, maybe six might between them. Yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't look very uh, threatening to me. But they have some cool abilities, and I think it's just a fun list. I mean, you got six might, and then you have some cool special rules. I think at 400 points, it's threatening. I think so. Just because, like you said, only one of them has the strike. But they're all, or two of them are fight seven, one of them's fight six. But the two that don't have strike have heroic defense. And they're all, oh no, they're, well, I mean, they're high defense anyway. They're defense 6-7. They got a lot of wounds and stuff. So I could be kind of nasty at 400. Not a lot of people are going to have the resources or the ability to deal with that kind of stuff. So it could be scary. I have one question for each of you to close the segment. If there was an all-hero-only tournament, what all-hero army would you bring? Let's say 800 points. Which one would we bring? What kind of list would you make for this tournament? Well, you know, I, I think I said it earlier. I'll stick to it. Something along the lines of the great Elven Lords and the Numenorians from the Last Alliance. Let me do some quick point crunching roughly in my head, and I'll get back to you on that. What Ian just said is a very good idea. I mean, the first thing that, that popped into my head was a whole bunch of ring rates, like having Kamul and the Witch King both on Fell Beasts, even though Fell Beasts aren't the greatest use of points. I think in an all-hero list, that might be a bit different. Those two on Fell Beasts, and then the Undying on a Horse. I don't know. That could, that could have some cool I, synergies. Well, it could, because you'd have the strong number of spellcasters to bounce off the Undying, 
and you'd have the combat power of the Witch King and Kamul the Easterling. Did not study for this pop quiz, and I was not prepared. <laughs> okay. No, I think the easiest answer for me is to get 800 points. It's usually probably going to be somewhere around Mordor, just because you get a lot of pretty decent options. I mean, there wouldn't be as many big flashy heroes, but you would get a decent number. Gorbag, Guritz for the utility that we've talked about in previous episodes. Maybe Grishnok. And then, of course, you get Goroth. You get maybe uh, Gothmog. I mean, that's, I think, where a lot of the fun of the all-hero list is. You just kind of go crazy. You're doing all-hero lists, so you're not worried about troops. You just kind of max out on all the characters that you really want to play. Shelob, obviously, because when when your opponent's focusing on that many different threats, Shelob can really pick her moments. Yeah, I could just okay. go on and on with Mordor, probably, but I don't have any specifics. Well, Alex, you got to remember that with all hero, you don't have to stay pure, right? Because you're not going to be using the Mordor army bonus anyway. But yeah, I see your point. Uh, Mordor has a lot of options. Okay, two lists I want to try. So the one that I said about at 800 with the lords. So it'd be like Elrond, Gil-Galad, a high elf captain with some kid. He has to be like around 90 points. And then you go Elendil and a Sealdor. You can make that work at 800 and it'd be crazy. The other one that I actually want to try is at lower points, somewhere between like 350 and 500, is take Imrahil and a few captains of Dol Amroth. <laughs> and just like mount them up and have some fun. Fight six captains? Fight six captains, yes. That's, that's actually a good show. It's, uh, I guess, similar to if you take like the Randul and a bunch of Palace Guard captains. It's a yeah. fight seven line, <laughs> plus I, one I, it would. I just... <laughs> that's a really good idea, actually. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be so annoying to fight. But for the Fiefdoms one, I just kind of did rough number crunching. I think if you take Emerhill with all of his stuff, four along on a horse, and three captains, I think one of the captains doesn't have a lance or something like that, but it's about 500 points. Uh, it'd be weird. It'd be fun, though. I think uh, for, like, day 100, I would probably start out with Aragorn Elisar, and then... I would probably just stack out as many, like, those mid-range fighting heroes, like Hurin, maybe throw in Forlong, Elrond's sons, and then maybe, like, a Rohan hero like Aylmer. And then you don't really need Blinding Light because Aragorn's free march. You can just hide behind terrain and then go 15 inches at a time so you can close the distance really quickly. And then, yeah, I guess you just hit kind of like Riders of Theta, just try to destroy the enemy in like one heroic combat turn. But after Ian brought it up, now I'm just thinking about the Thranduil and maybe like six Palace Guard captains all on foot, and then you just march at the enemy. I saw, I like that because of all the plus one to wound and stuff, but I saw it online somewhere, like a YouTube video. I can't remember, I think it was the GBHL, but they decided to run Thranduil, and Tariel and a whole bunch of the Mirkwood Ranger captains as an all-hero list just because they knew they're going to be surrounded and all of those models get bonus attacks for when they're surrounded. So if they're going to take an all-hero version of that list, that might actually be the only time the Mirkwood Ranger captains are useful. I think Andreas in Australia, he hosted an army, he painted like that, and he brought that to a tournament. That all, might be it. All Mirkwood yeah. heroes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like it could be really, really deadly up close to all the knife fighters. Richard, if there's some way to get a banner into that list, then I would 100% agree with it. Because then it'd be really gross. But... That's true. 
the fact that they're all on play is kind of yeah maybe almost all hero like like take like two or three warriors give them all shields and one of them has a banner and they all just sit there behind the palace guard captains being like get them my liege So Richard already said my idea, which was the spam minister heroes. So I'll go with another one. This one is a Denizens and, and Moria. It's essentially just a Spider Queen from Denizens and then uh, Derbers and Druzag from Moria. That comes out to like about um, 280 points. And then the rest of the points I have is just um, Black Shield Shamans. So like 10 or 11 Black Shield Shamans. And... <laughs> I'm just going to break everyone's weapons and everyone's armor and just have an enraged spider queen do all the fighting. That's dirty. That's my secret, Captain. They can't stab me if they have nothing to stab me with. Oh my god. It's, it sounds kind of bad, though. Because, uh, it's just for fun, though. I guess it'd be better if I balance it out, take out a few shamans, then put in some captains or a cave drake so I actually have something to fight with maybe like seven black shield shamans and then a cave drake in there that way i actually can kill stuff and i'm not just stunning everyone do they have spears or do they, they have... have staffs oh i was gonna say you could all just rank up in a little <laughs> a little little like roadway in between two houses and just <laughs> let your shamans die slowly over like four or five turns <laughs> all right that has been our segment about all hero armies thank you everyone for listening Look forward to the next episode of Into the West. Bye.